Isa Yeter. Caleb, that is Turkish for Jesus is enough. <laughs> Amen. Well, welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here with my friend and my co-host, Caleb Berg. Howdy. A uh, little different setup today, Caleb. Yes. We're, uh, we are, we're remote. We are remote. We are, we are shut in because of the COVID-19 restrictions in New York. And uh, it's the first time we've done it not together. Yeah, it's a little different. Uh, I don't have anybody to like look at while I'm while I'm speaking. I know those little like facial cues and little pointing things we do. Like can't do that <laughs> when you throw cups at me when I'm not paying attention and <laughs> or various sundry hot and cold liquids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in some way, this is kind of sad. I don't know. I'm kind of lonely out here in Avon, and you're down there in Geneseo. Yeah. It's all right. God is sovereign, right? Amen. All right. So uh, today we want to continue just to talk about uh, issues surrounding the coronavirus crisis from a gospel-centered perspective, a biblical perspective, to help us just see um, to see our world and to see this crisis during this time through the eyes of faith. And, you know, th- that is the mission of our show. Our, the mission of our show is to uh, discuss how to live under grace in a modern world and to discuss the gospel in belief and practice. And so living under grace in a modern world right now, Caleb, means learning how to live under grace during, you know, the social distancing period of the coronavirus crisis. Yeah, it's very different. Uncharted waters. You know, I talk to so many people and they're like, man, never, never been here before. So what's it like at your house? Like what's going on there? Um, well, for the most part, um, at least in the initial, I don't know, week, week and a half of everything, it felt like being chained to my desk a little bit. You know, we, the response as far as um, our church, Grace Life, um, was to very quickly try to see what we could do to get as much um, encouragement and gospel proclamation out, um, as well, paying attention to every update that was coming out. So, you know, for a long, a long period of time, it felt like I was at my desk for a good bit. In, in addition to the, the stuff for Grace Life, um, I was having to really um, kind of adjust with my, my own business that I run, my travel agency. I was doing a lot of reaching out to clients to try to give them as much information as I had. It seemed like almost daily um, all the vendors were changing their policies. And um, so most of the trips that I'd booked are now canceled or at least postponed um, kind of indefinitely. Uh, it's, it's worked out pretty smoothly for me, but for other travel agents, it hasn't been so smooth. So um, long days. And uh, now it's kind of lightened up a little bit, but, now it's okay. How do I, how do I keep a five-year-old um, occupied and not just glued to a TV? And mom and dad, same. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's going to require some wisdom, my brother. Yeah, we're hoping to go out to um, one of our state parks today, Letchworth, and hopefully uh, enjoy some sunlight. 
Yeah, it's beautiful down there. You know, um, with this social distancing, you know, I made, and so did you, dozens and dozens of calls over the last few weeks to church members and, you know, those in our church family, those, you know, who attend our church, just seeing how people are doing and what the needs are. And, you know, I've really been inspired not only by the response of our church, but other churches in our area, just to see how, you know, the, the body of Christ, the people of God have stepped forward. You know, I was really amazed and inspired when I did a lot of those check-in calls how many people unsolicited said, I want to help. How do I get involved? How do I serve others? How do I volunteer? And, you know, it really, it really could be, you know, the church's finest hour uh, in recent years uh, in, in the way that we display the light and love of Christ to people right now. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I think I've realized is, you know, one of the main ways that the, the church can serve the world right now is with the gospel. We can, we can love people. We need to love people with the gospel. And I'm not talking about like, you know, harsh fire and brimstone, turn or burn stuff. Um, you know, I suppose there's a place and time for that, but I'm, I'm talking about just putting on display the beauty of Christ during this time uh, encouraging people with the love and the grace of God during this time and, and calling people to believe in the gospel during this time and, yeah. and showing them that there's, there is a place of security. There is a place of peace. There is a place to rise above all this. And so that's one of the things we've embraced as a church is just, you know, upping our digital game and creating more contact points for the gospel. So we're going through the book of Philippians on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Of course, we're doing our, our live stream on Sundays. Um, and really, we're less concerned about the, I don't know, the keeping our Sunday morning presentation, like making it feel like a service. We're less concerned about that and more concerned about just giving them the gospel because that's really helping people right now. And a lot of people are turning uh, to the gospel, not only believers, but unbelievers. We've seen several people return to the faith or come to Christ during this time because of the coronavirus. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I can't remember if it was a Facebook group or something. I was looking last night, late last night, and uh, just the amount of people that were posting prayer requests in a non, it was a non, you know, Christian Facebook group or whatever. And so not, what I, what I mean by that is not that Facebook groups can get saved, but um, it, it was a, you know, just a community Facebook page, not a church related Facebook page. And, and people were posting prayer requests um, as well. Um, a travel agent Facebook group that I'm part of uh, a couple days ago, someone shared a prayer request that one of her clients tested positive and she was a former, um, well, not former, but a, a recipient of a double lung transplant. So wow, not looking good for her, but she was soliciting prayer and it just the amount of people that commented, you know, you know, she's in my prayers. And now I don't claim that every single one of those people that commented was a, a believer, but it's just amazing to see the spiritual climate right now, I think is, is just hungry for the gospel. And even if they don't know they're hungry for the gospel, um, what a time to be able to proclaim Christ. Yeah, no question. No question. Yeah. I couldn't help but notice I was on, uh, I was on the Fox News website the other day, just trying to catch up on some news. And right down 
right down on the front page, right down in the middle on the bottom was a link to the Passion of the Christ movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, now, why are they doing that? And it just made me realize, oh, like, I don't know, like as a pastor, I feel like I live in a, in a spiritually um, awakened context with, you know, with a lot of people who are just interested in spiritual things. And that's just, that's the normal experience for, for me to be around that. But I realized that our society now is spiritually, you know, hungry or spiritually awake and looking for answers. And so I don't know who, you know, and how that link ended up on the front page of Fox News, but clearly there's people, you know, in the media now recognizing that people are turning to God during this time and they wanted to give sort of an on-ramp to a spiritual resource because of that hunger. So clearly it's out there right now and it's not just people in the church who are saying it, but it's really, you know, very visible on a major media, you know, front page website. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting time and kind of reminds me of 9-11. Yeah. And, and I should point out, you know, we live in New York and New York has over half the cases in the United States. So in some ways we're, when it comes to states, we're ground zero yeah. uh, in America. Um, I don't know if that's the right term, but, you know, we're, we're the hot zone. And, um, you know, because of that, there, there is a lot of uh, fear. There, I think maybe there's, may, I don't know if there's more restrictions than in the rest of the country, but we certainly had maybe restrictions earlier and longer. Like my daughter, Joy, just came back from Illinois where she goes to college. And, um, you know, she called us and said, hey, uh, do you think I should come home? And, you know, things are still open out here. They're still planning on having classes in a couple of weeks and the gym I work at still open. And I'm like, uh, get home now. I'm telling you right now, within a few days, the vocabulary and the, the tone of things is going to change even out there. Sure enough, she got in the car and came home and thank God, because they started putting in travel bans and restrictions in Illinois, literally within 48 hours. Mm. So um, all that to say, like New York, it, it is a hot zone and, and it does remind me of 9-11 and the spiritual hunger that I saw in New York City when I went in to do helps ministry uh, with with teams for six weeks after the uh, 9-11 tragedy, yeah. uh, or I should say attack. And um, we actually went into Union Square in Manhattan, and we held up signs that said, free prayer. We had like a booth with a sign that said, free prayer. And people were coming up to us, and this is like within 48 to 72 hours after it happened, clinging to us, sometimes weeping just looking for love, looking for uh, someone to, you know, to, to help them process what was going on and, and, and turning to the Lord. It was really a powerful time. There's actually one guy who came to Christ uh, and he just reached out to me even within the last year and said, hey, it was at Union Square that I received Christ at that prayer booth, you know, that we had. Yeah. So God's, you know, God's using this. God is sovereign over this and he's, he's working all things for the good, even right now as we speak through this crisis. Yeah, amen. So, Caleb, today we want to talk about um, how should a Christian respond to the government? The government is is really taking a heavy hand during this time. Um, you know, we have a we have a doc that you and I are using a shared document um, to kind of help us guide us through this show. And the title I put on there is "Grace, Governors, and COVID nineteen." <laughs> Um, you know, how, how do we as, as Christ-centered people, as, as gospel-centered people with a, a biblical worldview, how do we react to a government that is taking a very 
very heavy hand right now, not only, you know, federally with, you know, with uh, President Trump and all that's coming down from Washington, but also in our state, um, you know, with our governor. You know, Caleb, like, just as you've observed culture during this time, even Christian culture, what kind of responses have you seen, you know, across the board to the sort of the heavy handed (laughs) restrictions that the government has put on our society? Yeah. So, you know, locally, I would say, I think most people, I think they responded positively, but, you know, the, the governor of New York, um, governor Cuomo is not a well-liked politician um, by believers. Um, he's he's a Democrat. He is very liberal. Um, not saying that, not not getting into the politics of can Democrats be said. That's not what I'm saying. But just just to paint the picture, um, some of his policies as as of late seem to have threatened religious liberties. Um, so he's not a very well liked governor by by most Christians in New York. But at the same time, I think he has shown during this time, you know, responding to the virus, he's shown, um, I don't know, some very strong leadership abilities to kind of navigate a situation. I'm not saying that every decision he made was perfect or right or quick or whatever, but you know, he's, he's, he's done pretty well with the situation. Um, So I think a lot of people have, mostly responded positive to how he's handling this situation with the tongue in cheek, you know, but you know, <laughs> type of response to the governor. Yeah, right. Um, he, he's not, he's not a fan of the church and his policies have shown that over time. And, but I think for the most part, I think most believers are, are doing pretty well with it here with the exception of, you know, some conspiracy type stuff that's come out, but um, as well, because I have family and friends in Louisiana, I've been paying attention to down there and they were about a week behind us in making decisions like that, but they are in the top five for amount of cases per capita, um, quickly blossoming into similar situations as to what we see in New York. And I don't know if it's the Southern, you know, God guns and whatever type of mentality, but down there, a lot of the response from the church has been pretty negative, um, pretty, they're not going to take away my freedoms, that kind of thing. And it was a little disheartening um, for me, uh, because I do feel like this is one of those situations where that response, and I know we're going to talk more about this in a bit, but I I don't feel like that response is appropriate during this time. Um, You know, they're not, they're not telling you to stop preaching the gospel, they're, they're telling you to not gather more than 10 people in a, in a room. And it's not just Democrat Republican politics at this point in time. I mean, our governor is a Democrat, the governor in Louisiana is Democrat, but the president is a Republican. Um, we're a very divided country politically, but um, they're saying the same thing at this point. And I, th- I think we would do yeah. well to listen in this situation. Well, let's let's look at this. Uh, you know, let's go to the scriptures. Uh, Romans thirteen, uh, Paul's writing to the church um, in Rome. <laughs> you talk about oppressive yeah. government, uh, especially to Christians. I mean, Christians were slaughtered there not long after. Um, and Paul says, 
for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. And the King James actually says he's God's minister for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So that gives you a biblical perspective on the role of government. You know, the role of government is to protect its citizens. And there's authority there, uh, a sword, if you will, uh, that has a purpose given by God. So, you know, as we think about, as we think about uh, the role of government in the context of faith, I think what the scriptures teach is that government is set up by God and has a ministry for your good. Now, certainly that can go badly, and Christians can be persecuted under evil governments. But even under evil governments, we need to trust God's sovereignty at work in our yeah. government. I mean, Jesus said to Pilate, you know, who, who was doing evil? Uh, when Pilate said, you will not even give an answer to me. You know, I, I have the power of, of life and death. Your life is in my hands. And Jesus said, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. So Jesus there affirms God's sovereignty yeah. in government, and he, and he affirms the authority of government. Jesus wasn't saying, you're not the boss of me, you know, like some, some little kid in the playground yeah. who doesn't want to you know, play a game a certain way. He says, no, you do have authority. And by the way, you wouldn't have it unless it were given you from above. So Jesus recognized the sovereignty uh, of God in government. And, uh, you know, we have to go back to Psalm 2 to, to see, you know, that even in the context of evil governments, God is still working his sovereign plan. When the psalmist writes, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their courts from us. He who sits in the heaven laughs. He holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Yeah. So I'm sharing all that, you know, for our listeners, just to say God is sovereign over governments, but also God allows people to come into authoritative positions and that the government is there. It does have a ministry that the Christians should not disregard and it is a ministry for our good. And I think, Caleb, this is one of those times when the government is acting appropriately. Like you pointed out, they're not telling us not to preach Christ or telling us we can't gather because we're Christians. This is not persecution. Yeah. This is a government, you know, whether or not you agree with the, I don't know, the sky is falling policies that they're implementing, that's a different conversation. But you know, submission begins where agreement ends, right? So I don't have to agree with my yeah. government, um, but I do think that they are motivated by wanting to protect their citizens, which is the ministry yeah. of government. Well, you know, I was reading last night an article uh, with an exhortation from some pastors in Europe. You know, sometimes we think of Christianity as kind of this American thing and our perspective is almost too too patriotic to see the, the bigger picture. And these pastors in Europe are strongly exhorting us to, to pay attention and, and heed our leaders in this because um, what they're seeing over there is that 
in many situations where the government didn't step in and set some guidelines and, and some restrictions, where they were still gathering and, and having services, they're seeing entire churches being wiped out by the COVID-19 virus. Um, there was an example given of a Spanish pastor who actually was preaching a funeral and the entire, I, I, I might be wrong in that, but a, a good majority of the people, maybe not the whole group that was there, have now tested positive for coronavirus. Um, and there's wow. pastors who are on ventilators and, you know, they're, they're warning us to heed our government in this and to listen to the health officials because this is serious. I, I think some of the bravado and the arrogance that I've seen in American uh, in the American response to this has been almost this untouchable feeling. I mean, even to the point where I've seen one pastor literally said, I'm a Christian, so this ha that this cannot touch me. That arrogance <laughs> should should be rejected completely. I mean, that that type of arrogance is completely ungodly. Well, it's, it not only is it ungodly, it's yeah. unbiblical. I mean, there's no theological ground to stand on to say something like that. I mean, how about Paul the Apostle, right? Did, did he not suffer many things because yeah. of his faith? Um, you know, I mean, you look through the list of, of Hebrews 11, and there were those who triumphed, but there were also those who suffered, but all of them did it for the glory of God. So to claim that you have some, um, you know, special, you know, supernatural defense shield around you, that God's going to protect you from every, every, you know, wicked infirmity in this world is, I think, is, is offering something the gospel doesn't offer. Jesus said, in this world, you will have much trouble, but fear not because I've overcome the world. And I'm not saying there aren't times when God can and does supernaturally protect people, his servants from diseases, but to offer that carte blanche as a, you know, an abiding promise for every single believer everywhere at all times is, is yeah. absurd. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for the liberty and the freedoms that we have here in America the fact that we can talk about God so openly with, without fear of repercussions from the government. Um, but I'm reminded of Romans, if we go back a chapter, Romans 12, um, in a very different situation where they couldn't do those kind of things. Paul admonished them, starting in verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil, no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And this is the key part. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I, I think yeah. the encouragement there, and you could say that this isn't necessarily talking about government, but it's only, you know, four verses from now he gets into talking about government. So I think in the context, it does fit. Right. Um, he, he is admonishing people to do your part in living peaceably with people. He's saying that if you have a government that is against you, you don't respond to that with evil. You don't respond to that with violence. You don't respond to that with anger. Do your part to live peaceably with all. And I think that while we have great, tremendous liberty and freedom in this country, I, I think sometimes our thought is almost that we will protect that freedom more than we would obey God. And I, I know that that is maybe maybe I went too far with that statement, but I, I think there are people who who feel that that liberty and that freedom is more important than even the gospel. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to read uh, our, our quote of the day. It's actually going to be a lengthy quote from a, a Doug Wilson um, blog that he posted last week, which I thought had some excellent points and his blogs are very long. So this is actually, believe it or not, just a piece of it. Um, but the, the title was Contagion, Cooties and COVID-19. And I thought he made some good points that are helpful for Christian leaders and Christians to process um, what is happening in light of our relationship to our government. He writes, I've seen a few troubling comments online where Christian leaders are saying that the civil government doesn't have the right to cancel meetings of the church. They certainly don't have the right to do that if their objection is that you are preaching the crown rights of Jesus Christ. In such a case, continue to meet. But if the fire chief told all good Christians to get out now because the roof of the sanctuary was on fire, this is something he has the right and obligation to do. And elders should not tell the parishioners to stay put until the elders had voted on it. Let us grant that we live in a time when the state is an overweening tyrant and requires all kinds of things that ought not be requiring. That should be set up front. And I agree that there are all sorts of circumstances where Christians and Christian churches need to defy our Jitney Jehovah's and amen to all of it. But following the mandates of civil authority on quarantines and the closing of public meetings and such during a time of epidemic is not one of them. So to be clear, if the, governor, if the governor of Ohio shuts down all public meetings because of COVID-19, churches included, then Christ Church, the church he pastors, would comply. Even if it happened to be the wrong decision or a decision with which I deferred, I would still happily comply. This is one of the things that is well within their realm of jurisdiction. It is their call to make. This is their job. And then uh, later on, uh, let's see, he writes... In historic Presbyterian polity, all rise, a civil magistrate had no authority in sacred things, but he had definite authority surrounding sacred things. Uh, I don't know if I misread that, but he had definite authority surrounding sacred things. Put simply, the magistrate has no right to tell the church what to preach, how to pray, how to administer the sacraments, who to discipline. That is not their assigned task. They need to stay in their lane. But when it comes to questions of public safety, which is exactly what this is, preachers need to stay in their lane. I could go on, but, you know, I, I think he's making some really good points there about understanding the role of government, the ministry of government, and when the church really should rightly subject themselves to that and stop, you know, rattling our swords and, and grinding our axes and, and, you know, claiming that this is some form of persecution when, you know, there are times when government, even a government that you, you know, are diametrically opposed to the worldview of is acting within their jurisdictional uh, rights as designed by God, uh, I think it's, it's, um, it's not only unwise, I think it's unbiblical and uh, even sinful to, to buck that when they're acting yeah. within their jurisdiction. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, staying in our lane in this one, what that means for me, the way I kind of interpret that is, um, my role during the midst of the coronavirus, however long this lasts, lasts, is to encourage the body to preach the gospel, to love my neighbors, um, and and to respect the government in their wishes as long as it isn't stopping me uh, from proclaiming Christ. And I know that maybe some people view that as a fine line right now with the inability to gather in large groups, but I think. 
I, I think that view is wrong because, you know, for me, my lane is to try to build the body and try to do whatever I can to encourage one another in the gospel in this. I don't see that I'm hindered by trying to protect people from the coronavirus. In fact, I feel kind of enabled yeah. to do more um, in many ways. Like I've had to shift. I've had to yeah. adjust. I know. I mean, we both have. We're working on this in tandem. But, you know, in many ways, yeah. what I've seen is a quick pivot in how we're getting the gospel out there. And I'm not just saying that about us. I'm saying that about the church in general. And the gospel is going yeah. forward more so than maybe even it was three weeks ago. And uh, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm nervous at times, I'm anxious at times, but I've also been a bit excited in seeing how the church has responded to this. And it's encouraging to just see even in our own body, um, the, the gospel has dug some very deep roots. There's fruit. Yeah, and... There is, and, and people are not only leaning into Christ, that the people yeah. are leaning into one another. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, just, boy, just to see the, the way that people want to not just love people in word, but love people in deed. And just to see the, you know, we put together three volunteer teams. We, we've got a, a delivery service team. We've got an, uh, an indoor phone call check-in team that's just checking in with people inside and outside our church to find out how you doing um, do you have any prayer requests? Do you have any needs? And just seeing people loving one another in that way. And finally, loving people with prayer. You know, we did a, we've been teaching through Philippians and, and, uh, when it was my turn to teach on Tuesday of this week in the online stream, uh, I was in Philippians one where Paul talked about how he just has affection for the believers in Philippi and how he prayed for them, you know, that they would grasp, you know, more the love of God and, and, and just how prayer was the action step of his love. And so I think that may be a good place for us to kind of wrap up our conversation. You know, you already mentioned maybe what our attitude and our focus should be and loving our neighbors and, and preaching the gospel. And, and I would just say, and love yeah. people with prayer, you know, um, whether it be public or private, um, phone calls or, you know, soliciting needs like we do as a church and, and, disseminating those requests to a prayer group, uh, how it, we just, let's, let's up our prayer game as, as believers, including praying for our government and how should we pray for our government? Hmm. There's a, there's a verse in first Timothy. I think both Caleb and I are <laughs> first Timothy <laughs> two, one and two. Uh, it says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Yeah, there it is. So as we're praying, let's remember to pray for our government leaders, um, that we may be able to live a peaceful and quiet life, you know, that our society uh, would, you know, be ultimately free of the the burden and the the tragedy of this virus, you know, that this, that the Lord would restrain this virus from, you know, doing its worst on us. And, and, uh, just like it's, I don't know, just like in, um, in so many old Testament passages, when God's people would go to the Lord, it's like the, there would be a restraining of the, mm -hmm. of the threat, you know, you would often, whether it was a disease or an enemy, 
you know, God, God can do that. And I think we should be praying for that, you know, for our society, that we live peaceful and quiet lives in that way, you know, free of the threat and the fear of this disease, but also as believers, you know, that we'd be able uh, to live in a peaceful context with our government uh, in this society, to be able to have open roads for the gospel and liberty to practice our faith and preach our faith, uh, how we see fit with our faith. And, you know, if the church is, a, is an example of humility during this time toward our government, obedience and, and love, who knows, like what, I don't know, like what um, favor that might gain us yeah. as God's people in the days that follow, you know, may, maybe none, but may, maybe the Lord will actually use this to give the church a good testimony, even with those who might otherwise persecute yeah. us and, and hate us. So, well, let's do that. Caleb, would you pray, you know, maybe that verse as we close yeah. our, our podcast today? Father, we come before you because of the work of Christ and because we're justified, we have access into your grace and into your presence. And so, Lord, we come before you right now as your children, and we just ask that you would uh, that you would do wondrous things in this country and in this, this world right now. Um, despite the circumstances, use these circumstances to soften hearts towards the gospel, that we would have opportunities to share faith with those who may not believe, that we would be a light for the gospel. We pray for our leaders, our president, our governors, the health officials, the CDC, the World Health Organization, all those who are on the front lines of this, the emergency room workers, nurses, doctors, um, scientists who are looking into cures, that kind of thing, Lord. We pray for them, Lord, that your grace would just uh, just get inside their hearts, soften their hearts, and that they would receive Christ. Uh, give them strength, give them wisdom, give them just divine insight into this to be able to, to work in the midst of this, Lord. We do ask for peace. We ask that the gospel would be able to go forward, that there would be no hindrance from government officials. Um, we pray for our church leaders. We pray for um, people just across this country and around the world who are fear, or afraid, that are experiencing anxiety, Lord, that your peace would just fill their hearts. And we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, do mighty things in this this time, that we would look back on this and, and just see how amazing your hand moved in all of this as you guided events and circumstances to grow your kingdom. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening today. Uh, we're going to keep posting during this crisis and hopefully keep encouraging you to remember Christ. God bless you. Crucified.